From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in for a special edition of Washington Watch, the National Defense Authorization Act from culturally woke to strategically strong. That is our focus today. Last week, the Republican-controlled House advanced the annual measure that directs military spending over to the United States Senate. Now, the House zeroed out most of the woke initiatives launched under the Biden administration in this year's version. Now, those on the left, led by President Biden, want the American people to believe Republicans. Republicans are the ones interjecting social issues into the military. The idea that we're injecting into uh, fundamental foreign policy decisions what, in fact, as a domestic social debate on social issues is bizarre. I don't ever recall that happening, ever. And it's, 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 it's just totally irresponsible, in my view. True, it is bizarre and it is irresponsible, but it's not the Republicans. It is the Biden administration. Exhibit A is the blatant violation of federal law by the Biden administration to facilitate taxpayer-funded elective, elective abortions for members of the military. Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville has put a spotlight on this issue by putting a hold on the promotions of top military officers until the Biden administration decides to abide by the law. So I wanted to start today once again by calling out an unprecedented harm that Senator Tuberville's actions have to our family, to have to our military readiness and military families. To every branch of our armed forces, disrespecting those who serve and the families who serve with them. Yes, there is harm, but it is being done by the Biden administration. That was Corrine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, earlier today. Now, while taxpayer funding of abortion is Exhibit A, the examples, the examples of the wokeness that have invaded our military are legion. And our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. Now, that was John Kirby, coordinator for strategic communications at the White House. Now, providing abortions and transgender medical modifications, that's sacred obligations? I don't think so. The U.S. House has advanced a national defense bill that I mentioned earlier that is a major step in returning our military's focus to its core mission, which is fighting and winning our nation's wars. And that will be what we focus on here today. I'll be joined in just a moment by Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville because the Senate has begun debate on the national defense authorization bill in that chamber. Now, the left is clamoring that the holds on the military promotions are creating a military readiness issue and that it is creating a national security concern as well. And we're going to look at those claims with military leaders. Retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, a founding member of Delta Force and former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence at the Pentagon, along with retired Major General Joe Arbuckle, founder of Flag Officers for America. In reality, 
we're going to see today that it is the woke policies that are undermining not only our military's readiness, but military recruitment. Going on the second year in a row, many branches of the military have been unable to meet their obligations in terms of recruitment. Has the focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion made the military stronger and more lethal? Or has it weakened and hollowed out our military? We're going to look at that today. We'll get a firsthand account from recently retired Coast Guard Chief Rocky Rogers and from retired Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller, now president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. I'm going to tell you in advance, you're not going to want to miss any of today's program. But if you do, you can find it later at TonyPerkins.com. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 10. He, being Jesus, entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to him, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So what does Jesus say? I think he's saying less is often more. There are more important things than food, and Mary focused on what was important. Jesus is communicating that we must consider where we are devoting our time and our energy, making sure it is focused on that which has eternal value. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. Let me encourage you, go ahead and write this down before we get started with today's program. The number 67742. You're going to want to text that number, 67742, with the word WOKE, W-O-K-E. We've got resources available for you at that text, 67742. And we have information that will help you better understand the issue that we're talking about today with the National Defense Authorization Act. The U.S. Senate, as I mentioned, began debate today on the National Defense Authorization Act following the passing of the House's version last Friday. At stake are key provisions to rid the military of the weak and woke policies of the Biden administration that has distracted our military from its core mission, as well as the Biden administration's illegal abortion travel funding policy. Joining me now to discuss this is Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville, who has put a spotlight on this issue. He serves on the Senate Armed Services Committee and the Senate Committee on Veteran Affairs. Coach, welcome back to the program. Great to see you. Tony, you too. Uh, the Democrat Socialist Party is throwing a hissy fit up, and, uh, and rightly so. Let them go. Uh, I'm looking forward to the fight. Well, Senator, I just want before we start this conversation, I, I want to say thank you, because I don't think we would see the this really good National Defense Authorization Bill, one of the best I've seen in a number of years, actually coming out of the House. Had you not taken the stand that you did over the illegal funding of abortion travel in the Senate? Well, it's in the Senate and and go, going to be in the House. So we're excited about that. We're looking forward to get some closure closer to this. It's uh it's it's been a pretty good fight for about six months now, but they're really ramping up the pressure, Tony. I've got the IRS after me. I've got national TV going to Alabama interviewing people. Uh you know, it's just uh, one thing after another now. They're they're throwing at us. Uh, they're coming at me from the Pentagon, the White House. 
uh, they're, they're turning up the heat, but uh, they don't know what heat's all about. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the fight. Uh, can't say that I've enjoyed it because I want things to get done. As you said earlier, uh, if I thought I was holding up readiness and, and national security of this country, I wouldn't be doing this. But that's not happening. What's ha what's causing our readiness to, to have a problem is the woke policies that this administration is pushing. It's awful. And we're way behind in recruiting. And I, we're, we're destroying our military. Politics is destroying our military. They need to get out of it. And uh, I don't think they really understand what they're doing to not just to, to the uh, military, but all, all of our other institutions. But it is, a, it is a total mess right now. Now, now, Senator, as you said, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of heat coming from different uh, uh, avenues here in our nation's capital. But today, the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, kicked off her press conference by calling you out by name. Uh, and we've got others calling you out. But have they called you? Has the president called you? Has the White House called you and wanted to sit down and have a discussion about how to move forward? I have not talked to the president. Uh, he from Helsinki or Lithuania, somewhere he was at last week, he called me a bunch of names. Instead of, you know, you'd think if you wanted to sit down and, and try to work a problem out, you would be uh, very uh, careful with your words. But uh, all the way across the world, he was hammering me about how ridiculous, ridiculous it was what I was doing. But, you know, that's his opinion. And But I'm standing up, uh, you know, for the unborn, and I'm standing up for the taxpayers of this country. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to represent the president of the United States. Uh, I will have in about 40 minutes uh, another call with uh, our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and uh, I'm looking forward to visit with him and see if he's got any alternatives to the situation. Uh, but right now, it looks like uh, they're kind of hit strong with what they want. Uh, they've got an unlawful law that they've broken. And uh, the only way I'm going to move these holes is if they move that policy back and then we bring a vote to the floor. I and mean, it's pretty simple and we can get back to business. Right. You, you mentioned you're standing for the unborn, you're standing for the taxpayers, and then you just mentioned the law. And I'm, I'm holding in my hand the actual law. This was a law passed by Congress. Uh, this is not an annual writer like the Hyde Amendment that has to go on to appropriations bill. This is in federal law. It's uh, 10 U.S. Code 1093, which says funds available to the Department of Defense may not be used to perform abortions except where the life of the mother would be endangered if the fetus were carried to term or in case in which the pregnancy was result of access, uh, active rape or incest. And then it goes on to say no medical treatment facilities or other facilities of the Department of Defense may be used to perform abortion except where the life of the mother would be endangered, so on and so forth. These are elective abortions that are being facilitated with taxpayer dollars. This is a violation of the law. And, Tony, the Democrats brought that law to the floor, voted on by Joe Biden himself. And now he's turned around and breaking the law by sending a memo to Congress saying we're going to change this. Well, wait a minute. Uh, that, that's the reason we're, I've got the hose on. You can't, you can't change the rules in the middle of the game. And that's exactly what they're doing. They could care less about the Constitution. They have stomped all over our Constitution in the last two and a half years. And American people should be outraged. And I want to say this. We're getting ready to have a uh, four-week uh, off period for all the uh, congressmen and senators. Call your congressman, call your senator, and let them know how you want us to handle this. Are you for this or against this? And I would think that most people would be for what we're doing and trying to stand up for the unborn and the taxpayers of this country. But we need everybody's help. We need to put the pressure 
on the on uh, the administration uh, and uh, put their feet to the fire. And, and I think that uh, it will make a lot of difference. All right, very quickly, Coach. Before we run out of time, I know you got you got to move on. The process. Uh, the, the House has passed a good bill. The, the, we don't know what uh, Schumer, the leader, Democratic leader in the Senate, will do in terms of vote threshold. What's the best approach? Isn't it simply for the Republicans in the Senate to stand with what the House has done on all of these issues, including removing the ability for them to spend taxpayer dollars to facilitate abortion? Exactly. Uh, we, we should be the same. Uh, they've got a, a lot of other things in their bill, like uh, transitioning young kids and and uh, and all the things that go along with that. And, and of course, uh, transgenders in the military, which Trump, uh, President Trump blocked. And of course, the second day or third day, President Biden added them back in. So it's just uh, they're they're politicking the entire uh, military. They're trying to bow down to all the people that vote for them. They're trying to buy votes. But uh, call your congressman, call your senator, send them a letter, tell them how you feel about this entire situation, and hopefully we can get something done in the NDAA. All right. Well, Senator Tommy Tuberville, I want to thank you again for not only coming on the program today, but for your, uh, your stand for the unborn, your stand for the taxpayer, and your stand for the law, for the truth. Thank you, Tony. All right, Coach. Always great to see you. All right, so a couple of things here. You need to contact your senators. They'll come back. I'll have the switchboard number for you. But I want you to sign a petition to Lloyd Austin. He's going to be on the phone with him in just a minute. Text the word 67742. Text the word WOKE to 67742. You can sign that petition. And then I'm also going to give you uh, access to a lot of resources to help you understand what's at stake. This is a big battle, and I'm grateful we've got some leaders willing to fight it. We need to stand with them. All right, coming up next, we're going to... See firsthand account. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace the their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific 
specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch, a special edition of Washington Watch, focusing on the National Defense Authorization Act today. Senate switchboard number. All right, go ahead and write this down as Senator Tuberville asked you to contact your senator and to support the House version of the Defense Authorization Act. Uh, that is 202-224-3121, 202-224-3121, and also text the word WOKE to 67742 to sign the petition to uh, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. All right, uh, this coming out, the the President Biden, uh, it was a confidential memo that reveals that transgender service members can skip deployments and receive infinite physical fitness standards and waivers. Uh, This just uh, coming out, this will probably be news uh, tomorrow, so just trying to get uh, a handle on this. But to give you a little history here, in June of 2016, on his way out of office, then-President Barack Obama selectively lifted one of the many restrictions on military service— The one he chose to lift was the ban on transgenderism in the military. That restriction was then put back in place shortly after Donald Trump took office. And I know something about that because I worked very closely with the president and his administration to do that. However, there were individuals that were grandfathered in, or maybe I should say grandmothered in, and they were allowed to continue to serve. Now, those should have been enough for a fact-driven administration not to lift the ban, as the Biden administration did almost immediately upon capturing the White House. Now, this is just one of the ways in which the Biden administration has turned our military into a laboratory for woke social experimentation projects. Join me now to discuss the real-life impact of these policies is retired U.S. Coast Guard Chief Rod, uh, Rocky Rogers, and he served uh, just until recently retired from the U.S. Coast Guard. Chief Rogers, welcome to Washington Watch. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me. So you spent 20 years in the Coast Guard, and you witnessed firsthand the shift in priorities, which 
uh, we, that we see now basically invading our military under this administration, in particular, the impact that having transgender service members uh, in the ranks. Tell, tell us about your experiences as a supervisor. So as you mentioned, I was a direct supervisor of one of nine transgender in the U.S. Coast Guard uh, from 2018 to 2020-ish uh, before that member separated. Um, before that member reported to my unit, uh, to my workspace, the command briefed me what was going on um, and just said to look out for this person. Range from anywhere from a, a an unimaginable amount of medical appointments to where this member was rarely at work um, for a personal choice procedure to be done. Because of these choices, uh, my workforce was significantly hindered in what we could uh, um, respond to. Um, you know, we were billeted, say, six personnel, but we only had five that were able to work any given time of the day. Uh, so that was a huge, uh, huge impact. And then, you know, said member asking for extended lunches for uh, for nourishment, which is, you know, always acceptable, but then another hour and a half for personal medical care. And um, I asked the member to get the command approval because if um, if you give it to one, you have to give it to all. And if we were to give everyone a two-hour lunch, uh, nothing would be uh, completed during the normal work day. So uh, a lot of challenges. So, so these, these special accommodations were required just because this individual was transi- transitioning to another, you know, um, you know, body. Yes, sir. And, uh, you know, like I said, during my briefing with the command, uh, before this member even reported, uh, the command asked me if I ever needed any guidance, any support to let them know. Uh, I can count uh, three times I reached out to the command and medical uh, administrators uh, directly asking for advice for any challenge, you know, challenges with, uh, again, an unimaginable amount of uh, medical appointments and so forth. The command in via email would always say, chief, figure it out, uh, handle it appropriately. Um, And that was a sign to me that no one in uh, a leadership role wanted uh, their hands to be tied. So how did this affect the other uh, troops, the other guardsmen under your supervision? Uh, There was a lot of frustration. There was uh, just a lot of animosity, if you will, um, because they knew this this person could not be depended on to to help out with our day-to-day task. Um, so it, it wore the the morale in our workspace down very quickly. So, so what and if I, you what if you had two individuals like that in your uh, your group? Well, uh, I'd have you know sixty five percent of a crew to do one hundred percent of the work, is what it would come down to. Uh, I mean that that seems like that has an impact upon military readiness. Absolutely, one hundred percent. You know, uh, those people have to have time to rest take care of their, themselves. Uh, you mentioned uh, having waivers for the PT test. I mean, there's people who were not transitioned that can even do the PT test and they they get waivers denied. So how is this special category um, able to get those waivers? Uh, so, uh, so Chief, let me, another, another, we're about to run out of time. It, it, it was also during your tenure there, the emphasis on the DEI training. How did that affect the ability for you to accomplish your mission? 
they, they give spend more time training than uh, able to do your job uh, because you know all the training is uh, reactive. It's not preemptive, it's reactive because there's problems within the ranks. Um, so all, all this training is because there there is uh, bullying and hazing and discrimination that that no leader wants to admit, but it is happening. Um, so it, it's just uh, it's disgusting. I, I am a big fan of training uh, properly and appropriately. But, uh, you know, accountability is where it comes to uh, if we if the Coast Guard were to live by the core values, honor, respect, devotion to duty, um, a lot of these problems would not be happening. Uh Chief, we're out of time, but one final question for you. Do you think this is a, impacting the ability of our military and Coast Guard to actually recruit people? Absolutely. As of uh, July 12 of this year, so what, six days ago, uh, just the enlisted ranks alone, the Coast Guard is down 3,559 members. That's just recruiting. That's not counting the shortages within the ranks that are already there for the retention problems. Wow. Well, Chief Rogers, I want to take, I want to thank you first for your service to our country. And, uh, and thank you for being willing to, uh, to speak candidly to the, the problems that this is creating for the men and women who continue to serve. Uh, great to have you on the program. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. All right, folks, uh, there's still more to come in this special edition. Coming up next, uh, General Jerry Boykin joins me, so don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org slash worldview. Again, go to frc.org slash worldview. To this special edition of Washington Watch, the NDAA, from culturally woke to strategically strong, the House is moving our military back to its core mission. The question is, will the Senate go along with it? 
We've got a big battle there because the Democrats control the Senate and they are more than woke. So here's your, here are some of your action items to contact your two senators. And this is at the request of Senator Tuberville, who is waging a, uh, I mean, a tremendous battle in the Senate. 202-224-3121 is the Capitol switchboard number for the U.S. Senate. All right, here to discuss with me are two generals with a lot of insight into our nation's military and how these woke policies are affecting military readiness and, quite frankly, our ability to recruit. Joining me now to discuss this is FRC's Executive Vice President, retired Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, founding member of the Army's elite Delta Force and former Deputy Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence, as well as retired Major General Joe Arbuckle, who is with he is the founder of Flag Officers for America. Both of them served in the U.S. Army. Uh, General Arbuckle, General Boykin, welcome. Good to be with you. So Thanks, Good to be here. It's uh, two Army officers and one Marine sergeant. If there were one more of you, it'd be a fair fight. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I'm sorry you have to put up with this. That's okay. I understand. All right. So, uh, General Arbuck, I'm going to start with you. First and foremost, uh, what is the biggest issue the military is facing right now from a military readiness standpoint? Well, it's the uh, woke policies that you've been talking about, Tony. It's the critical race theory and DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, that are upsetting the entire force. And one way to measure that is in uh, the recruitment, which you touched upon earlier. the ability of the DOD, Department of Defense, to recruit adequate numbers of people in all services is critical to readiness. We're suffering the greatest recruitment crisis we've had since the volunteer uh, military was formed back in 1973. So you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is that happening right now? You know, why is the trust and confidence in our military fallen so drastically coming from our civilian population as measured by different surveys? So there is a direct bearing from these woke social agendas onto readiness. I'm going to throw this out for both of you. First, I'll go to you, General Boykin. One of the issues that's been raised in uh, hammering Senator Tuberville, who was on the program earlier, is that by, by putting a hold on these promotions of flag officers, that it is creating a military readiness issue. When General Arbuckle just said it's the, the woke policies. Is the senator's hold on these military promotions, is that a readiness issue? From my perspective, no. And I was, I would almost bet that uh, General Arbuckle at some point uh, was in a job that was, uh, his current grade was lower than what the uh, position called for. But that didn't stop us from being able to go to war. And what we've got to remember is that we are training people to move up to that next point. So if the guy that's in that position can't move out of it because the guy that's supposed to take it is being held up by somebody like uh, Senator Turberville, that is not going to stop the war. It's not going to stop the military from fighting. It is not ideal, but it is not a catastrophic uh, failure uh, of our promotion system or anything else that's uh, stopping us from being able to do what has to be done as a military force. Now, nothing against uh, military officers, but there's quite a few at the Pentagon right now. In fact, when you look at the ratio between enlisted and the officers, it's, it's uh, it's quite high. 
Is I'm going to go to you, General Arbuckle. You said that the, this wokeness is what is threatening our military readiness. But let's talk about our national security. Is the hold on these promotions a greater threat to national security, or is it the policies that are being pushed by this administration that's undermining our military? Well, there's no question about that, Tony. It's the policies, uh, the woke social policies. And I absolutely agree with what General Boykin just said about the hold on these promotions. Yes, it creates turmoil, a little bit of adjusting here and there, but it does not affect readiness. We have depths in our ranks so that the number two guy can jump in and replace the number one guy in a heartbeat. So that's not the issue. Uh, The readiness business, I think, needs to be looked at from a standpoint of what's inside these programs. And the left doesn't like to hear this, but the bottom line is these DEI and CRT policies are really based upon fundamental Marxism, which divides people into two groups, setting one is the oppressor, the other as being oppressed, and that then causes all kinds of turmoils within the rank. It divides. Here's the bottom line. They divide instead of uniting our military. And our military is all about being united into one team, one fight. Such a good point. Um, just we're about out of time. But the if they were concerned about retention, recruitment, you know, when we knew that the COVID threat was over, they didn't back off. In fact, we saw 84 hundred members of the military driven out because they didn't get a vaccine. That tells me they're not serious about retention, recruitment, and the true strength of our military. I don't think they are serious about it. I don't think this administration nor the leadership within the military right now is concerned about the readiness of that military that we're so dependent yeah. upon as a nation. It's, it's, it, there's another agenda here. General Arbuckle, I want to thank you for uh, joining us and uh, appreciate your insights. My pleasure, sir. General Boykin, uh, stand ready. We're coming back I'm with right more here. Washington Watch. And folks, don't go away because we, uh, we've gotten more ahead. We're going to take some of these arguments that have been uh, leveled at uh, Senator Tuberville, and we're going to look at them. We're going to be joined by Marine retired Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller next. So don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org.
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded communities. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories, and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged. Be in the know. And stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. Welcome back to this special edition of Washington Watch. The National Defense Authorization is what we're looking at as the House last Friday passed Probably one of the best bills in terms of correcting the policies that have been put in place, interjected by the Biden administration. Now, the left is spinning it that the House has interjected the culture wars into the NDAA, and the legacy media is parroting those claims. But House Republicans are merely responding to the Biden administration's imposing of social experimentation policies on the military. And in some cases, as we talked about with Senator Tuberville, in violation of the law. Uh, joining me now, uh, continuing here with me, is General Jerry Boykin. Uh, he's here to uh, set the record straight on these, along with retired Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Tommy Waller. He is the president and CEO of the Center for Security Policy. Uh, Colonel Waller, welcome to Washington Watch. Semper Fi. Semper Fi. Tony, thanks for having me on. So I'm going to go to you first. Um, Tell us about your separation from the military and your experiences as you were coming out and the policies that began to invade the military. Sure, Tony. Well, I retired from the Marines uh, just this past March. And what I had done is given the Marine Corps a full year uh, to answer my appeal. Uh, That appeal was for a religious accommodation uh, for the vaccine mandate. Uh, of course, like every other Marine just about, uh, my original request was denied actually on the Marine Corps birthday, uh, a blanket denial for just about everybody in the force. And so at the time, there were no units that would allow me to join. Um, I had finished, thankfully, a successful command tour of the reserve components only force reconnaissance company. 
uh, and yet I was unhirable in the United States uh, Marine Corps. And so after a year of, of waiting uh, and, in fact, having my own family barred from entry of a, of a military installation, uh, I thought that it was enough time for them to figure out just how grossly uh, they had violated the law uh, and ethics with the enforcement of that mandate. I mean, General, that's just what we were talking about. I mean, 8,400, I think that's just in the Army, uh, driven out mm -hmm. because they wouldn't get a vaccination. I mean, think of all of the, the funds spent to train those individuals, not to mention the personal um, experiences they had to go through in, in losing their positions. Tony, I think this is the worst thing that I have seen in the military in uh, 36 years that I spent serving this country. And it's not just that we were putting people out. It is that there was a, a continual pattern of harassment. Yeah. Now, you think about that. You, you've got commanders out there harassing their people. But then we turn around and say, now, you lead them into combat. You take them to war. And the reality there is that what individual who's been harassed by his chain of command is going to trust that chain of command? to go into battle with them. Right. And it's just not going to happen that way. Well, yeah, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to, I'm going to get, Colonel, I'm going to get to uh, some, some, some clips of, we're, we're looking at these uh, claims that what Senator Tuberville is doing by holding up these promotions and what the House has now done by addressing a number of these woke policies in the NDAA is somehow uh, threatening national security, undermining our nation's military. Here's a clip of uh, John Kirby, coordinator for strategic communications at the White House. Uh, this, uh, he said earlier this week, uh, clip number uh, four. And our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. Colonel, I want to get you to respond to the, the DEI. We've seen this diversity, equity, and inclusion being infused into our nation's military. How does that impact our readiness in the in terms of having to take time away from actual training uh, to spend on this woke nonsense. So I think that the DEI piece and the critical race theory is probably best described in a book by Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. He is the, the Space Force officer that was forced to resign and leave the military after exposing uh, what General Ar Arbuckle said earlier in your interview, which is that critical race theory uh, and then diversity, equity, inclusion programs are linked directly to Marxism. And so that's, that's one very worrisome uh, situation that we have to contend with. It. As you said, time is being wasted. But it's not just that, Tony. When you look at the priorities that the U.S. military leaders, not just the political administration, but the general officers, the civilian equivalents of those officers in the current Department of Defense, their priorities. Go back to the, quote, uh, extremism in the ranks stand down, right? Uh, I was a unit commander at the time. We were forced uh, to do a stand down and take an entire uh, huge long period to conduct this training to root out, quote, extremists in the ranks. And you look at the material that we were provided. 
And that material was void of any mention of at least six, quote, extremists in the ranks. And those would be jihadis. Right? I have six examples that I could point out where members of the armed forces uh, either did violence against their fellow service members or sought to do so and were imprisoned for it uh, on behalf of the global jihad movement and its doctrine, Sharia. None of those examples were in that material. It was examples that were, you know, somebody put C4 in the shape of a SWAT sticker. Okay, that's bad. But is that, is that worthy of a, a gigantic extremism in the ranks uh, stand down? You know, so it's not just that there are problematic policies like DEI and CRT. It's literally that we are purposefully, the leaders of the current U.S. military are purposely avoiding studying the very things that threaten the Constitution to which they took an oath. Well, well gentlemen, let me ask you this question. Is, is this intentional to weaken our military? I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, give me any logical reason that you would see the kind of things that we're seeing in our military today. And you'd see the kind of commanders that we're having at the upper levels in there. And this, you've got to go all the way back, at, at least as far as Barack Obama. If you really want to understand, when he said, uh, I'm going to fundamentally change this country, well, you've got to start with the military. The military is a very important part right. of changing our society. And if you want to do that, you start with the military. And the military, now we're seeing the results of, of that effort. So, so, Colonel, I'm going to ask you about that because, you know, I know sure. having joined the, the, the Marine Corps right out of high school and, and still in touch with many Marines, and there's nothing about the Army here. I just haven't served the Army. But the reality is... Men and women serve because they want to serve for something greater than themselves. They want to commit themselves to something that's bigger. The rank and file, are the troops going along with this? So, Tony, thankfully, at the, at the bottom levels, uh, what I've seen is a lot of common sense and reason, right? So you may have general officers that will refuse to uh, acknowledge the doctrines of our enemies have anything to do with why they fight uh, but at the at the ground level, there is a thirst for that kind of truth. There's still a hunger for it. Uh, and so that that's encouraging. The problem is that there's going to be immense suffering in those ranks uh, when we deploy our military against adversaries that we don't understand. Right. Look no further than the way that we left Afghanistan. Yeah. What an absolute travesty uh, in, in the way that we did that. You, you saw no one held accountable and you saw no one, you know, willing to resign and say, look, this is not a smart way to do it. I'm not your guy. You didn't see any of that. So, General, let's go to the officer ranks. Is it conformity for promotion? Yeah, I, I, I think there is uh, a lot of careerism associated with today's senior leaders. And uh, we've had periods in the military where that was the case. But I think that, that we, we clearly have that today. And it has been a matter of uh, if you want to get ahead, you've got to you got to play the game. you got to play it by the rules that are established for you. So how do we purge that type of thinking, which is, is clearly uh, anathema to national defense and security? Number one, what? we as a nation need to get a, a commander-in-chief that understands the military, cares about the military, and is willing to place a priority on the readiness of our military. Number two, got to get 
officers in there that are war fighters, that want to be war fighters, that want to prepare their people for war. Because we are doing them a big disservice when we waste our time doing this critical race theory stuff that, that does nothing but demoralize and, and divide these people. So we've got to have good leaders in there, and then we've got to have the right kind of material that they can practice with what they're going to use on the battlefield. Colonel, you, you agree with that assessment? I do. And I would also add uh, something I know that's near and dear to General Boykin's heart, which is we have to restore the soul of our military. That's what's been degraded. I mean, you think about Matthew 10, 28, right? Don't, don't fear. Uh, do not fear those that can kill just the body and not the soul, but fear those that can kill the body and the soul in hell. The soul of the military is what's under attack. We need to be mm-hmm. anchored to the foundation uh, of truth and reason. The Constitution, this copy of the Constitution I have here was given to me by the parents of a Marine, their only child, who died under my command in Iraq. And they said, never forget what he died for. And I won't. And what's happened is the senior ranks of our military have become unanchored from truth, reason, from the Constitution. And Tony, I'll tell you, there was a, a book just launched this month. Uh, it's written by an active duty a Navy commander, and it's called Defending the Constitution Behind Enemy Lines. And he makes the very well-articulated argument that, in fact, those that have violated the law to enforce that vaccine mandate uh, are one of the greatest threats to the U.S. Constitution, a domestic enemy to it. And I think that's the truth. And so in order to, to reverse that, we've, we've got to restore the soul of our military. I, I, I could not agree more. And, and we hear this from the president, the, the commander in chief, that, that we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. I know a lot of times I don't think he realizes what he's saying. In this case, I think he is actually speaking truth. There is a battle for the soul of our nation. And I think these woke policies are what is constantly, steadily attacking the soul of our military. When I talk about soul, the element that there is transcendent truth and we can be anchored to it and that there is something bigger than what we determine ourselves. And these policies are chipping away at that very foundation. There's no question about it. And I think you may have said it earlier on this program here, but uh, uh, people need something to fight for. They have to have a cause. They have to have a transcendent cause that gives them a motivation to put on a uniform and to go into battle and protect their their fellow soldiers or Marines or whatever it may be. And uh, what we're doing, everything we're doing is just destroying the morale and the, uh, and the uh, sense of being, sense of purpose for those young men and women right. that are serving today. Hollowing out our military. I want to play one more clip before we run out of time. Uh, this is the House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries last Friday after the NDAA passed the House. Clip number 11. One of the amendments deals with the DOD subsidizing transgender care. Why do you think that needs to be something the DOD subsidizes? What's your justification for that versus it being something that's an elective surgery? We have to take a step back and look at the totality of the United States military and its readiness. And I believe that the Department of Defense has made the appropriate decision in its totality that every single segment of society should be welcomed. Well, I think his vocabulary word for the week was totality. And in that word salad, what he dished up was uh, really not much. But I, I want to address this issue because this is something that uh, they're attacking from the Republican version of the NDAA. 
there is not a constitutional right to serve in our nation's military. There is no constitutional right to serve. It is a privilege for you to be able to serve. There is nothing in our Constitution or in our laws that says everybody has that right. And and going back again to the Obama administration, you started here in that that right. was a part of their theme. Right. Was everyone should have the right and to include the people that have a different sexual identity or whatever it may be. And uh, for him to use that in in connection with uh, the military and those young men and women that voluntarily go out there and, and serve and put their lives on the line is a yeah, and is, is not As we talked about, they, they get waivers, they get special treatment. Uh, Colonel, did, did you have any experience with that in the Marine Corps as you were uh, serving in your last couple of years? Well, I just want to address what, you know, what we just saw was just the height of hypocrisy. If you really truly wanted, you know, everyone to have an opportunity to serve, you wouldn't persecute those with strongly held religious beliefs Good and point. then kick them out of the military, you know, which is exactly what happened with, with that vaccine mandate we just spoke about. You know, uh, Tony, one of the things that worries me the most is that as I sit back and I reflect on what happened, the first part of that mandate was a data harvesting operation. If you, if you recall, you know, all throughout government, it was, you know, hey, there's going to be a process. Just tell us what your strongly held religious beliefs are. Yeah. And we did that, right? And they documented that. And then secondly, it was, I think, a very well-executed purge. They created the conditions. Lloyd Austin, when he gave that order, it was lawful. It was right. inoculate the force with an FDA-approved vaccine, and one didn't exist. That was a litmus test for the officer corps. And so, depending on how you look at it, I think we catastrophically failed. Yeah, extremely good point, Colonel. Uh, Colonel Tommy Waller, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. Appreciate you uh, being a part of the program. Thank you for having me, sir. And General, always great, always good to have you as as well. I always, always feel safer when you're around, you know, for some reason. <laughs> All right, we're out of time, folks. Thank you for joining us. Text woke to six seven seven four two. Let your voice be heard. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 